You're listening to Someone Like Me. This episode was recorded in the early months of 2022. We had just purchased our new Survivor Restoration Campus, and the conversations you hear in this third season will refer to this campus as well as our former name, End Slavery Tennessee. In 2023, our organization rebranded to Ancora Tennessee, ushering a new era as we nurture survivor healing and strategically combat human trafficking in this state of Tennessee. Now, without further ado, we present Season 3 of Someone Like Me. Please enjoy. This is Someone Like Me, the official podcast of Ancora, Tennessee, formerly known as End Slavery, Tennessee. I'm Leslie, and today's episode is the second part of a Survivor interview we're featuring in this, our third season of the Someone Like Me podcast. Vanessa is a graduate of our Survivor Care program and has been a longtime member of the Ancora, Tennessee community. If you haven't heard the first part of this conversation, you may want to go listen to that now, then come back to this. Vanessa's story features two key elements of the Ancora, Tennessee vision and themes of this season of the podcast. Those are housing and employment. The second half of this conversation is the part you'll hear on this episode. We'll continue to discuss the importance of safe and stable housing as we dive a bit deeper into the complicated journey toward viable employment. Vanessa speaks candidly about the barriers, challenges, as well as the considerable successes she experienced in securing work to support herself and her family. Sustainable employment is a theme we're spending a lot of time on this season because, as you'll hear in this episode, it's absolutely crucial. In this recording session, Vanessa is joined by myself and our executive producer, Stacey Elliott, as well as Kelsey Mize, director of Survivor Care, Kelsey's been a part of Vanessa's support system for many years. We recorded this episode in the early months of 2022 before our name change became official. So because of this, Vanessa will use Encora Tennessee and End Slavery interchangeably. We'll pick up the conversation with Vanessa after telling of her time in prison. Well, it's you, you said the eating an elephant one bite at a time. And as you're telling these stories about these places that you've lived and the different yeah. work environments you've been in, even the bad parts of all of that, you're still taking one bite at a time because you're still learning and collecting information. And, you know, it was good that you had a place to live, but you realized, I don't I don't need this much control. And then the next place, you learned a little bit more. And then, you know, and so it's just interesting how... There is not a one-size-fits-all, and it's also evident how important it is that good housing is available, housing that is trauma-informed, that isn't controlling, supportive. It seems like there's a really big need for that. There's a really big need for that because all other recovery programs, they're not built to deal with human trafficking victims. They're, they're not. Like, that's a whole different level of trauma. And I'm not saying that other people that have you had substance abuse issues haven't went through worse things also. Like, we've all had trauma. But um, so where did you see that tension when you were in previous programs? Or like, where was that really clear to you that like, 
I don't think you realize, was it the control that was the touching point for you? It was the control. It was how it was all the same. It was the N-A, 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 like N-A is going to save your life. You have to do N-A. You're always going to be an addict and Hmm. blah, blah. Like they label you and it's just, um, I didn't realize how different it was until I got into the Encore program. And that's when I'm like, holy shit, like this is, <laughs> this is like, is this real? Like it, it was just, because I, I was there, what, almost two years? Mm-hmm. I lived there in almost two years. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. like lived in there in a residence almost two years. And girl, I can't even complete a 30-day rehab. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so, and I didn't want to leave was the thing. Yeah. I think what I'm hearing you say, and it's the thing I always think about when I think about what we do at Encore, and that is, Every person is a unique individual, and you're treated as though you have agency, right? You make your choices, and you're allowed to make some choices, even if they're not—I mean, there are some boundaries, obviously, but you can make a choice that's not, you know—okay, let me—I'm thinking of an example like, what do you want for dinner? Um, I could have a nutritious meal, or I can have candy, and maybe I want candy, so— we don't say you can't have candy. Mm-hmm. We say, right. okay, let's see how that goes for you. Yeah, <laughs> you know? and go get sonic milkshakes three times in one day while you were pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> so while she was pregnant, <laughs> what I don't even remember what type of milk. It was like a cheesecake. Oh, it was a mm. it was a hot fudge cheesecake caramel with extra caramel and extra hot fudge from oh. Sonic. Oh, three <laughs> times a day. We went twice one day. I know. Oh, oh. Um, honey. Between wow. doctor's appointments. That was when I had my surgery. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that sounds like but, self-medication to me. Yeah. <laughs> I, gotta get, I gotta take care of myself. Give me a I would shake. always get anxiety ordering the drinks that she wanted because she wanted so much extras in them. It was like extra caramel drizzle, extra hot fudge. And I would be at the line and I'd be like, no, 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 she's got to go in. Like, I can't. <laughs> because she would be sitting there like, no, 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 tell them I want more. More. Like... <laughs> Just put all the caramel syrup. Were you in the just cup. on like a sh- like we're sugar rush all day long? No. no. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You take your sugar well. <laughs> you you yeah. handle your sugar. It was well. right because you know who you are, and our job is to try to understand who you are so we can support who you are. Right. Simple and as that, really. Yes, and Encore definitely did a great job pairing me with Kelsey. Even though, like, the first while was awkward. I mean, I we didn't—I I wouldn't hardly speak to her for almost the first few months. And then—and um, I didn't know who I was. I knew the puppet I was all my life, but I didn't know who I was or what I wanted in life or anything because um, I had never made my own decisions before. And so when you're out there going through the life and— you're being trafficked and you have a person telling you when to wake up and telling you, I mean, if you get to eat, like, you know, you eat whatever they give you and you do what they say do when they say do. And it's just like, now, why would I want to go into a recovery program? And it's going to be the exact same thing that's so triggering. We've had a couple interviews this season where we've talked about the new program that's being built and new things that are rolling out and how unique it is that this space is rolling out programs specifically for trafficking survivors because of things like that exactly. 
Yeah. Well, and honestly, I mean, so she was one of the first people that I worked with when starting at, we started the same month oh, um, when I started wow. as a case manager okay. and her. And so she was one of my first on my caseload. And she's been the inspiration for a lot of the program that I'm designing because I've seen the needs that she's like the things that were missing for her. So some of the okay. independent housing or like housing for a family, like not being able to meet that need and knowing how difficult that was. And if it wasn't for her being such a strong and determined person, that could have led to relapse. That could have led to her going back to the street really easily. And there's so many places that she could have gone back to the life and she didn't and she fought through it. But if there was other options available for her, just how much easier it could have been. And I think of when you moved into your first apartment after your parents, you were so excited. <laughs> you were, you know, you had been saving all this money and it was roach infested. Mm-hmm. And you had them come try to get the roaches out for what, months? Yeah. And not only was it roach infested, I do a lot of self-care yoga meditation. So when I got on the floor to do yoga... I started getting this smell, and it smelled like a a wet, dirty dog. And um, they called to have someone come look at the carpet, and they didn't know they were going to come up there first. And we shut all the blinds, turned all the lights off, and they took a black light to the carpet. There was not one part of the floor, even the hard floor, that was not drenched in animal urine. And I have a a toddler eating off the floor. Like, I'm putting my face in the floor doing my yoga every day, and it's drenched in animal urine. They didn't want to fix it. It was a nightmare. It was complete hell. And um, I had to move out. I was not—I am traumatized by roaches. Like, I can't Hmm. do bugs. I can't do animal piss. I'm not going to live like that, and I'm paying you $900 a month and working my ass off. Like, no, it's not fair. And— So I ended up breaking my lease, and now they've put, like, they want to charge me, like, almost $4,000 they've put on my credit. How it came up to $4,000, I don't know, but I'm just not worrying about that right now because there's bigger, bigger things going on in the world. But um, it sucks because it's there, and it wasn't there before, but it does suck. Um, So I had to move out, and I ended up moving into a townhouse that I used to live in back in 2010. And I live there now, and it's really old, and they're not well insulated. They're really crappy. The air units are, like, super old and super small. Like, you can just look at them and tell, like, it's crap, and there's no way that unit can heat and cool that Hmm. house properly. So it was so cold, like— Some days I would have to work from home, and when we got that snow and ice, I had to sit by my back door at the kitchen table to work on my laptop. I was working from home, and I had on thermals, pajamas, a house coat, gloves, and you know I'm always hot. Uh (laughs) I had on like a hat, girl, I had on everything, and it was just, it was so cold and you could just put you can put your hand by the back door at the top you could just feel the cold air blowing in so my mom had came down from florida and she went and bought one of those window kits from like Mm. Lowe's or something and Mm -hmm. like she spent a whole day taping it on the windows and like putting the blow dryer on there to shrink it so that some of the cold air will stay out it's just housing like it's really you you cannot find good affordable housing like it doesn't work and at this point, like with inflation going the way it's going mm-hmm. and 
it's just like, <laughs> I don't know how much longer we're going to have to make it. My mom's paid my rent the past two months. Like, mm-hmm. she's had to give me the money to pay my rent because I'm just not able to do it. And so I make $17 an hour. I work 40 hours a week. And I pay $400 a month in child support, almost $700 a month in insurance, plus my rent, plus my utilities. And I have to pay for electric, water, sewer, trash, all of it. It's $300 a month. And that's the only income I get. So I'm basically on my own. Um, I mean, I do have support from my mom and Thank goodness she did come through and pay my rent the past two months because we'd probably be homeless right now if she didn't. And um, it just sucks because I really want to be to the point to where I'm, um, I want to be independent. I want to be self-sufficient, but it's just, it's really hard. Well, it's really hard and you have (laughs) a good job. I mean, I think that's one of the things too to note is that you've checked all these boxes, you know, as it yeah. were, you know, and you have a a job that is fulfilling. And even still, there are just are these pitfalls that yeah. are out of your control. Well, I think that's the frustrating thing of like, yeah. again, we've been in this since 2016. And so it's still hard. Like, you know, it's, oh, it's yeah, not it's like so a, hard. It doesn't. you do this and it's oh, now everything's perfect and and we're living. Like, it is still a struggle. It is still something that she's devoting time to therapy and all of these other things on top of it and still struggling at times and needing that support and needing extra resources and things like that. It just proves that, you know, you were saying the 30-day, 60-day programs. That's why what Ancora does is a lifetime commitment. Yes. A lifetime relationship. Even when this two-year program is going to start rolling out, the support is is forever. Yes. Because support is needed forever. And especially when you've had a life that is particularly traumatic. It's yeah. not just a switch. No, and it it's not a switch. But why this is so important and why, you know, having safe housing, why having a good job, like those are things that can keep you in a place where you can be stable and you can kind of continue in the path that you're wanting to go in. And how Mm -hmm. if something were to happen to those and jeopardize those, those can kind of spin you back out to put you at risk of exactly what happened to your family, like the families and the kind of the reality of the, the heaviness of the situation. Well, when my sister passed, I was still living with my parents. And, um, you know, when my sister passed, that's actually when I quit. I did kind of spin out of control for a minute. (laughs) I didn't do drugs. I didn't relapse. But I, like, I had a mental breakdown um, because it hurts so bad to watch someone that you love and care for so much die from addiction. And just knowing, like, that could have been you. Just just like that, it could have been you. And, um so many people are dying from drugs these days and it's you know you never know what you're going to get it's not like it was back in the 90s like it's it's different now and i had to surround myself with the people that inspired me and motivated me and the people that i wanted to be like the positive people i had to do a lot of reflecting and a lot of self-care and you know, instead of getting up every morning listening to Kevin Gates, like, because, <laughs> you know, where that's, you know, that's what you put in your head. And I think that we don't realize that because 
a lot of it's so subconscious and it's just what you're used to, what you're used to and change is uncomfortable. Hmm. And if you want anything good in life, like you're going to have to get really, really uncomfortable. And that's what I had to do. And I started doing a lot of self-care, a lot of journaling and meditating and yoga and just all different kinds of things. Um, I just started exploring new things. Things that if I would have suggested right when we met, you would have laughed at me. And I probably would have cussed you off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I was just, I was a different person back then. I mean, I had a whole different mindset and a different mentality. It wasn't. But I think that shows the value, again, of that individualized care and the meeting somebody where they're at and allowing them to get there on their time. And again, you needed to get your kind of basic needs met and get to a safe and stable place with your housing, with your job, get to a place that was at least manageable before you could even start focusing on that to try to force you to focus on yoga when you're like, I don't know where I'm going <laughs> to eat today or I don't yeah. know what I'm going to do today. Like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Hmm, like, it's not going to... Yeah. You know, why would I do that when I have to worry about surviving today? And so yeah. it's so impressive that how you got there and seeing you like when you called me and you're like, I'm meditating. And I'm like, who is this person? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I don't meditate, you know, and like it's just um, I've been so impressed with that journey that you've taken, like continuing therapy. That's not hmm. something that we have told you to do we didn't find the therapist like you've done that all on your own and so seeing your internal motivation knowing that if we would have tried to force that at the beginning it probably would have never no it would have never happened I would have went back out yeah I would have went back out like you can't and that's wow that's so crazy I've never like it's almost like you're putting all the pieces to the puzzle together for me like it's clear now seriously I never I never looked at it like that deep and again, it's not it's not an overnight thing. I mean, I went to slavery in 2016. It's six years later, and I it's still I still struggle every day. I still struggle every day. I struggle with bills, with life in general. Life is adulting is so hard. <laughs> it sucks. Amen. Yeah, it sucks. And the layers <laughs> you've talked about so many different layers of. Well, I mean, it's there's some things that are identifiable with anybody who's an adult, you know, making sure you make enough money so you can pay your bills. Yeah. So that you, yeah. Anybody can identify with that. But I also think when you have all those layers and not the support system, one really bad situation can break all that you've worked on. And what I see with you and your story is you've had to deal with many of those situations that could break but you found a way, and it's it's kind of beautiful, even though it's really hard. Mm-hmm. It is hard. <laughs> it's so hard. Um, I really enjoy waking up every morning now, like, unless it's, like, early. <laughs> but I, I wake up, and I look forward to doing my self-care, and I, I look forward to—and no one told me that, hey, you need to go meditate, and, hey, mm-hmm. the journaling's going to help you, and— Hey, you should try some yoga. Your body's going to feel really good once you stretch it. You just, you have to figure it out on your own. Now, Kelsey did help me a lot with, she let me figure a lot of stuff out on my own. But if I ever, she would never say, hey, I think you need to blah, 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 blah. It was always like, I would go to her and say, hey, what do you think about this? What should I do? You know, and I'm so content nowadays. Like, I'm just, 
I'm so content. I can handle like things that used to break me down even six months ago. Like mm. it's like, oh, you know, you have to really just shift your perspective. And it's like, oh, okay, this happened. This is what I have control over. This is what I don't have control over. And the parts that I don't have control over, for me, I just surrender it. And the best I can, I still try to control a lot, but (laughs) (laughs) I do do the best I can. And um, I try not to get upset. And I'm just, I'm really content. I have lived such a traumatic, crazy, stupid life that... At this point, like, literally, all I do is work and go home. Like, I've never—this is, like, my big outing for (laughs) ever. Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I just work and go home, and I'm so content. It's just nice. It's nice, even though it's a shitty place to live. It's It's your place to live. Right. It's my shitty place to live. (laughs) (laughs) It's my shitty place to live, and I I know that I'm not going to have to— worry about packing up all my stuff in the morning and moving to another spot and Mm. losing what little things I do have. Yeah, it's just, it's nice. And to know that I can provide for my kids and put a roof over their head and feed them. And girl, I don't get no food stamps. I don't get no government assistance. I don't get no Section 8. I don't get no help Mm. with my utility bill. Mm -hmm. I wish I did. I I really do. But the state has such a fine line with um, income, oh. and they don't look at your net income. Like what they don't okay. look at the income that you bring in; they look at the income you make. Like prior to them taking out right. taxes, child support, insurance, they're looking at your salary. They're not looking at what I'm bringing. Your take home. out pay, right? Yeah, and okay. I still owe because at one point I owed thirty thousand dollars back pay and child support, and I'm down to like. 13? That's impressive. Wow. Yeah, 13,000. That's incredible. Yeah, it's still hard because my kids, dentist appointments, and not Mm. having 10 care on my other two kids, so having to pay the co-pays, having to pay for their crowns and their fill-ins and their root canals when they knock their front teeth out because they did something silly, like jumped on a trampoline that had a big ice um, sheet on it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, and it's just like it's hard. It's really, really hard. You're doing a kick-ass job. Well, thank you. <laughs> I mean, just and, from this from this short amount of time that I've yeah. spent with you, I'm oh. it's um it's really commendable. Well, thanks. And one thing that I'm really proud of. So with my job, they will pay for you to get certified. So I did a recruiter academy, and I am now a certified recruiter. That's not my title, though. My title is HR coordinator, but I do have my recruiter certification that I'm super proud of. That's awesome. And I'm studying for my APHR. It's Associate Professional Human Resources, and um, it's an HR certificate that you can get, and it's, like, equivalent to, like, a bachelor's degree. Oh, okay, yeah. Because, you know, you put the little initials by your name and stuff. That's when we talked with Viable, like, the— Hope is that people will get into jobs where there is a lot of forward motion and mm-hmm. there's there are ways instead of just in a corner, you know, where you can't go forward or, you so know. It becomes a career. 
Yes. Versus just trying to make ends meet. Just trying to make ends meet, yeah. And even though I am just trying to make ends meet right mm-hmm. now because 17 bucks an hour is not a lot when you have all them bills and a three-year-old to take care of. And I, like I said, I don't get child support or anything for him. I don't get nothing. When you were working, could you have envisioned where you're at now? Oh, no, never. And Kelsey always told me I deserve better. Like, why are you working at this shitty place? You deserve so much better. You can get a better job. And I'm like, Kelsey, no, I can't. I'd be glad Hmm. I have this job. I used to, like, think so bad about myself. I just always thought that I wasn't a deserving person, and I didn't deserve anything good. And um, I always deserved what happened to me. And then just, like, the support that I've gotten from this program and all the different people and resources that I've ran into and— It's just been amazing. And like today, now it took me a while and I'm still working on it. Like it's a daily thing that I have to work on every day to try to see my self-worth because, you know, I'm studying for my APHR and I'm really struggling because I keep telling myself I'm going to fail this test. I'm going to fail this test. Well, no shit. If I keep saying I'm going to fail it, I'm probably going (laughs) to fail it. So... Well, and your, I mean, your trauma didn't happen in a day. Those mindsets that you had happened over years and years and years of abuse and negativity, all of those things. And so it's it's going to take more than a day to change that. Like you have to consciously every day work towards changing that mentality. And so it's not a surprise that this, you know, a couple years later, you are still struggling with that same negative self-talk because it didn't happen overnight. You are undoing years and years and years of work and damage that happened to you and and trying to reprogram how you view yourself and loving yourself through all of that. So it's funny because when I first started meditating, (laughs) I'm like, oh, this is going to I'm going to do it and it's going to change my whole life. (laughs) Girl, it does not work like that. Let me just tell you, Mm -hmm. I'm still like I'm trying to become like more self-aware and just trying to be better, do better. And it takes lots of work and it's hard and it's not easy. Um, So I really believe that saying is really true. The anything worth having is not not easy. Is Mm -hmm. that what they say? (laughs) Something like that because it's it's not, it's, it's a really hard, long struggle and journey. Our work with survivors is driven by stories like Vanessa's. The work is never fully done because the healing process is complex and ongoing. This is why we work tirelessly to provide structure for our survivors for continued healing and growth. It's a long game and one we commit to for life. We'd like to thank Junior League of Nashville for being a community awareness partner with someone like me. Our producers are Stacey Elliott, Caitlin Reed, and myself, Leslie Eiler-Thompson. In addition to being a producer, Claire Bidegary-Curtis is our engineer, and she is assisted by Selena De La Cruz. Special thanks to our intern, Riley Herman. And the original music you hear is by Zach and Maggie White.